First of all, I have to say thank you once again to the listeners. It's crazy. I'm going to the store. People I don't even know are coming up to me and tell me that they love the show. If you've come up to me at the Touch a Truck, at the National Night Out, or just at a, a party, and you've told me that you listen and that you love it, thank you. I'm not making any money off this, so uh, that's all I need to hear. People are enjoying it. One of those people who came up to me is Jim Sacco, owner of Vinyl Brewing friend of mine, lover of wrestling, lover of punk rock. So if you love one of those three things, punk rock, wrestling, or beer, you're going to love this podcast. It's all about him owning the coolest bar, not only in Hamilton, but maybe the world. And then we talk about wrestling and punk rock. It was a good time. I had a blasty blast. Please welcome my tag team partner, Jim Sacco. The Vinyl Maniacs are running wild. Because when it comes to brewers, in front of me right now is the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. What's up, Jim Sacco? Wow. That was a great promo. Thank you. Love I've been working it. on it all day. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. Oh, dude, it's a pleasure. You know, I think even, I think, because Brooke was like one of my first guests. Yeah. So I think, like I mentioned, I like I had to have you on from the beginning, man, for my own personal stuff because me and you have like a thousand things in common. But also, it helps that you own the sickest bar here in Hamilton, New Jersey. Uh, we, we we try. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we going right into the bar thing because I have a lot of questions about that. You lead the way. Was this like a dream from? Like 21, I don't imagine at, wait, 10, <laughs> like you think about having a bar. What was this at, like 21 you thought about this? Or like, was this just like out of nowhere? No, it wasn't out of nowhere. Um, when I first started brewing, I sort of knew in the back of my mind that that's like a dream I had. Never really when thought. When did you start? Um, I think I was like 23. So it was, um, it was about 14, 15 years ago. So was this, this even... Because, dude, there was a time... Like, I lived in New York City, so obviously we got, you know, the best of the best. Everything comes to New York. But I remember specifically going to this place called Good Beer. And I'd never seen anything like it before. I was just like, wait. I'd never heard of these cans, you know. Some of them had, like, you know, crazy illustrations on there. And, um, you know, stuff that was delicious. Were you just, like, starting off when that was already going on? Or... Was it still just everyone only knew Budweiser when you started? Yeah, it definitely wasn't what it is today. When, when I first got into it, um, my friends and I, and I know I've talked about this on other podcasts. Forget those, man. We <laughs> got to hear it, man. I need to know. Um, like, we would go to, to Downingtown, Pennsylvania and Victory Brewing, and that's where we would go. Sort of like it opened our eyes to, you know, other, other beer. We never... Um, you mean like you went and took tours? We would go there... Like, just to, to drink, because, like, it wasn't as available around here. Okay. You know? Yeah, yeah. So that's what really opened our eyes to to the fact that there was more options out there. And I was always the type of person that I didn't like being force-fed stuff. Like, what with do you my mean? Mu- like, with my music. Yeah, like obviously. I, I, I like digging further for, for stuff. Like, So I'm you're not, saying, like, y- you were upset that... Coors and Budweiser is like being fed to you because that's all that you can get. That's all there is, and I never really enjoyed it. You know, I would drink it, but it was never like 
Yeah, I like never craved one. Yeah, you know. And then the first time I had a like an IPA, I was like, "What is that?" I'm like, "I need more." What what is this. what does IPA stand for? India Pale Ale. Oh, okay. I know. I thought those were two different things. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right on. So, uh, from that point, you started making your own stuff. Yeah. After that, um, it was going to. It was doing these trips to to Victory with my friends. We were like, all right, let's just try doing it ourselves. So we started in my parents' kitchen. Oh, which my parents cool with that? Yeah. Oh, shout out to yeah. you guys. Yeah. So that was. Uh, we, we started in the kitchen, eventually moved out into the garage. Now, did you have to buy special stuff, or did you just use stuff from around the house? No, we, we went out and bought, like, the, your standard five-gallon kit. Okay. So the first couple beers were pretty pretty bad. Oh, yeah? yeah? They were drinkable, but... Were you proud of yourselves anyway, or were you like, no, this... this yeah, I think I think we were just... I think learning the whole process was uh, was pretty rewarding. And this yeah. was probably a little bit before it was so accessible online, right? Like, yeah, before so the this, YouTube. You could yeah, this is this had to be about two thousand four ish. Ancient history. So I mean, I can remember going out to bars around here and asking for a beer list, and they would look at me like I'm crazy. Yeah, you know, do you have any craft beer? And they'd roll their eyes. So now it's a little different, you know. I think. Yeah, well, people are ed- well, at least more educated now. Right? For sure. Yeah. Because there's places like Vinyl Brewing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's so much better. Why wasn't it? Why did it take so long, man? Why did it take so long for the world to find out that beer could be really complex? I don't know. That, you know, that's a really good question. I don't know. Is it just like the powerhouses? Just like it was impossible to take down the marketing and the exposure that Budweiser and... Yeah, that's that's a really tough question for well, me to answer. Be, well, the thing is, is that okay? There had to have been other people like you out there. So, when Budweiser was huge, there had to have been another person out there who researched. They looked on the Dewey Decimal System, and they go to the <laughs> library, dude, and they like research it, and they probably made their own beer, and maybe they figured out that like, well, if I put a little more of this, a little, I mean, you would know that better than I would. But there's had to have been a person out there who realized like, oh my god. The stuff they're selling us is garbage. It's yeah. cheap. Oh, definitely. Like the, you know, there's breweries on the West Coast and, and Colorado. You know, they were way ahead of the game. Do you? What was the first one that you noticed? Like a, a one that this that they, you started recognizing the label, and it's like, whoa! All right, these guys are excellently. That uh, first was Brooklyn, Brooklyn oh. Brewery, oh. and uh, it was Brooklyn, and then Victory. Okay. Because th- those are the ones that I would see on the shelves around here. Yeah. What and then about, like Sierra mine Nevada. The, mine was, I started seeing dogfish. Dogfish, dogfish head. head. Yep. Yeah. And I was like, all right, someone's making a, and now you go to a, what's the place here in town? Uh, canals. Canals. Is your stuff in canals? Not yet. Um, just because we don't, the only cans that we have are these right now. So we don't these really These are package. badass. Why wouldn't they want to sell these at uh, canals? These we fill like, so like instead of a growler like this. So this will seal right in front of you. Like you can pick whatever you want that we have on tap. Oh, that's right. And we have a machine that seals the can for you. That's right. right. There. Whenever I have a guest, I'm always just like, all right, you got to hit Meninos, you got to hit this, you got to hit vinyl, and a lot. All of them always get a beer to to go. Um, and by the way, as I'm looking at this lineup you have here, <laughs> should we start, man? Bless your heart. You brought me some uh, some gifts. Yeah. So 
We do our uh, our anniversary party is called Vinyl Mania. So the coolest name ever. Quick promo: We have our Vinyl Mania two, September twenty eighth this year. But I brought you two glasses from last year, and it has the Vinyl Mania logo on one side and our logo on the other side. Oh, these are awesome. Thanks, bro. Yeah, you got it. These will be put to very good use. In fact, they might be put to use while you're here right now. I believe so. What do you have here? So I brought I brought two beers. Uh, this one is called Hearts and Skulls. It's a sour ale with passion fruit, pomegranate, and blood orange. Wait, hold on. It's called Hearts and Skulls. Yeah. Did you name that? I did. So you could... This is so cool. So uh, say that one more time. Sorry, listeners. I got to hear that again. This is fascinating to me. So hearts and skulls, sour ale uh, with passion fruit, pomegranate, and blood orange. And this is the last of it. The keg actually kicked. As no I was way. Filling, as I was filling this. Is this the award winner? Uh, no. That one is uh, Glitch in the Matrix. Right. That, I knew that. Yeah. And I tasted that. And that's the second time I've had a sour. If you're not ready for a sour, it hits you hard. Like, yeah. I tried it for the first time, and I was like, what is this? And I was grossed out by it. But then I came to your place. Uh, I prepared myself mentally. <laughs> and then I went on to, like, really enjoy it. Yeah, it's something that you have to get your palate used to. Um, but once once you do get used to it, I think you, you can't get enough of them. Oh, really? Is that, yeah. like, your thing right now? That's, like... That's pretty much what we're doing the most of right now is, is sours. We're really pushing that out. Yeah. That's cool. Well, winning the award probably helps too, right? Yeah, that was really cool. So, um, for sure. I'm guessing, uh, are we just looking at these things? Let's pour. Or? Oh, it's pour. up to you. Do you want a sour first? Or I also brought our new a new IPA. This well, one. let's start off with the sour since we just talked about it. All and right. uh, try out this IPA, Indian Pale Ale, as everyone knows. You can try that later. Is this not the coolest job in the world? I mean, I don't know if this is a job. This is not the coolest hobby in the I, world. I love it talking to jim i'm talking about my hobby i'm talking to jim sacco who's bringing me and your hobby's pretty rad too look at this color so i'm looking at this sour ale i mean it is a would you say it's a dark orange maybe the lighting's not right uh, yeah no it's uh definitely a deep orange color oh deep yeah it's deep to you my Cheers. brother welcome to the pillars thank you mmm people so it's it's sour yeah. bro we're supposed to be promoting this beer it's no one's even gonna be able to buy it you cannot get this right now <laughs> too bad guys <laughs> it's all for us <laughs> delicious we'll bring okay. it back do you want to talk about making the beer or do you feel like you're just sick of talking about it at this point i mean do people just look at you when you're explaining it and they're just like oh, okay uh, yeah most of the time like if, if we're given a tour most people just want to hurry up and get to the, the drinking part <laughs> But I do like giving really nice educational tours. Yeah, but you probably can't stand it because you, aren't you required? We're required by law to give a tour. They just changed the laws up a little bit, but we're still required to give a tour, which we, we do, and we enjoy it. Okay, cool. Yeah. I would imagine it's probably a lot more enjoyable with people who want to be educated over the ones who just want to get straight yeah. to the drink. In fact, I did, a, um, I did myself and uh, Sean from Tom Foolery. We taught at the Pineland Short Course at Stockton a couple weeks ago. So we went over there and we did uh, like a PowerPoint presentation to people. What do you mean? Like about how to brew? So we did, it was basically like uh, like a history of beer um, in New Jersey. So we talked a little bit about that. And then 
we all walked down to the brewery and I gave a tour for like about 15 people and we were there for like two hours but they were really into it and it was just so awesome to to get in depth with oh that's fantastic man so were you already well well versed on the history or did you have to study up for this I mean I was to a point I let Sean kind of cover most of that stuff yeah and I and I did the the, like the hands-on tour part cool What's the best part about owning a bar? Honestly, for me, the best part about doing the brewery is the creative freedom that I have. Let us talk about that because we actually got into that with Brooke Sacco. What makes your bar so different than others? I think it's just that like, I basically took who I am as a person and put it out there um, in, in brewery form. Um, so what are, the, what are the aspects of you that are in there? So for me, it's like... I'm super into punk rock, so I wanted to take that as much as I could as an influence and uh, pro wrestling. So, You're talking my language. Seriously, if I didn't know you and I walked into that bar, just I'd be like, introduce me to the owner. We're, <laughs> we're best friends now. It's unbelievable. And I was lucky enough to, to partner up with uh, two family members that allow me to... Oh, they just they allow me the, They allow me the freedom to to do this as oh. i as i see it and that's I, beautiful man i feel like that's the way it works like um you know what you see with us is real like we're there's nothing fake i feel like if if you put yourself out there and and it's not um i, I feel like people can sniff out something they that's not definitely genuine can. people when they recognize authenticity want more of it um that's cool. That's very cool. Your heart and soul is really into this. I wouldn't have it any other way. It ha- you know, it has to be like that. I gave up. What did you give up, man? Everything. Who, who are you? <laughs> <Everything>. <laughs> wow, man. What did you give up? So I gave up um, my full-time job, my health insurance, my health insurance for my family. Like we had to start from scratch. No way. Everything. What were you doing before? I was working for Atlantic Care here in town. Really. So I was there for five years. Um, Doing what? I was like a case manager um, in social services at the uh, 310 building on Bellevue. Okay. And it, it wasn't... It was... It was. I, I enjoyed it. It was okay. good. Um, yeah. But this is, this is what I wanted to do. And I had, I had started brewing elsewhere. And opportunity arose to, to do this and... I'm like, I got to do it, and I got to go so all in on did, it. Do you, mind, do you mind if I ask, like, how mm-hmm. did the family, like, was Brooke okay with this? Like, was that okay to ask you? Yeah. Because um, that's hard. She was, you know, she was really good. She's been, like, my number one fan oh, that's for, awesome. like, forever. And, like, likewise for her, like, we just, all we can do is support each other and what we do. That's awesome. And that's it. So she was talking about how creative you are, and it was cool to hear how talented you are uh, in, in that brewery. I know you're not going to put yourself over, but I'm saying nah. that that's what she said. <laughs> never, never put myself Far over. Far too humble, sir. <laughs> Appreciate respect, respect. Uh, does she enjoy the, the vinyl brew? She does. Um, she does. Like I said, she's, the, she's my biggest fan. She advocates for me more than anybody, and I really appreciate that. Yeah. So what do, do you guys do uh like a podcast at the bar? Um we've had some come in. So there's like um 
Oh. There's like beer podcasts. And, uh, and they're and, local or they travel to different bars? They travel. Um, they're actually really nice guys. Um, South Jersey beer scene. Okay. So I give them a plug. Yeah, right on. And let's plug that. The First of all, such a cool name. Vinyl Mania. Boom. <laughs> um, so Vinyl Mania is when? That is September 28th. What time does it start? Um, when we open, that'll be 1 o'clock. And so, so we're on 1 till whenever we close. Okay. And so when people walk into Vinyl Mania, what can they expect? We're going to have tons of new beers on that day. I think we're going to bring back the slushy machine, which we tried out last week. Ooh, I saw a post about that. People looked very excited. Yeah, that went over pretty good. So I think we're going to bring that back. Um, I don't know what else we're going to do. Some surprises. Ooh, okay. Definitely some wrestling on. Oh, okay. Hey, if you need a live performance... Just get a ring, dude. We got to talk about it, man. So first of all, shout out to my friend, uh, my martial arts trainer, Alex Zab. I started training him. This is for all. I know Jim Sacco, whoever's listening to this, is probably into pro wrestling at this point because you knew we were going to talk about it. I am, I've been a pro wrestler for years. I'm retired, but Hamilton needs a show, people. I will train people. I will... I will do everything. If someone out there can set up a show, what's that place called over there? The place with that has like the shows and the the, the skate the skate center? Not the skate center. It kind of was like a church. Oh, the cathedral. The cathedral. That's the place, people. That would be a great show. Someone promote it. No, I'll promote it. You just get the venue, get the ring, and I will do the rest. I I know people who will be in it. Oh, this, we have to get that done. This town needs it. Been years since this town had a. A wrestling show. But let me tell you something. It's been never since they had a wrestling show with me, my friend. We will tear the house <laughs> down, people. I'm, I'm ready for it. Yeah. Oh, there's going to be hundreds of Hamiltonians <laughs> going bonkers, bro. This is, this. is I really hope this happens. I'm stoked that I have this podcast to get the word out there because we need somebody out there who's willing to get a ring and stuff. I was probably as much of a fan, if not your most hardcore time in pro wrestling is it's got to be equal to what i was like and lisa doesn't see it because i don't watch wrestling anymore and i'm so far from that scene um but i've always told her like that was my life so it's cool for her to like see someone who's so into it how did it get started for you you know it's weird i don't ever remember a time in my life where i didn't watch wrestling <laughs> none of it mattered <laughs> i think the earliest i can remember is probably like being like four years old do you remember and who was working or who was wrestling? I remember not, my first match. I remember my first live match. Oh, the things you got to see live, I would have I just dreamed of as a kid. What was your first live one? My first live main event was uh Hogan and Harley Race. Oh, that's a good one. I think that was like eighty seven. Yeah. I, I know exactly how that match ended. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure. It's gotta be hulking up leg dropping, right? Hogan Hogan must pose. Oh, yeah, he must pose. Yeah, the fans are not going to leaving. They're not going to be happy leaving. And that reminds me of, like, Stone Cold. Like, back in the 90s, if he wasn't stone, if he wasn't stunning someone and drinking beers, it wasn't a good night. That's it. Got to send the fans home happy. You have to. Absolutely. And if you'd make the show here in Hamilton, I will send the fans home happy. <laughs> Please, someone help. So what was your best time in pro wrestling? Like, if you had to think of an era that was the best. Uh, that's easy for me. Mid to late nineties. Well, mid to late nine. Was that the Attitude? It was the Attitude era, but like the whole Monday Night Wars. Oh, 
That was the best, was it not? The Monday Night Wars plus ECW. Can you explain? Because some people aren't going to know what you're talking about. So Monday Night Wars was basically you have WCW on TNT and you have the WWF on the USA channel and they're running head-to-head every Monday night for two or three hours. Just fighting for ratings. Yep. Yeah. So it was, I mean... WCW was was killing it with, if you don't know, the the NWO. For life. For life. Hey, can we get a sweet... Too sweet. Too sweet. Some people listening know exactly (laughs) what we just did. (laughs) And we salute you. (laughs) So, okay. uh, So the Monet Wars, NWO, are killing it. Do you want to know why, people? Because the biggest heel turn of pro wrestling history happened. The man you never thought was going to turn heel... Who, tell him, man. Drop it on him. Drop it on Drop it like a leg. Bash at the Beach, 1996. Here comes Hulk Hogan down to save uh, Lex Luger and Macho Man. Turns heel. Joins the NWO. Didn't he drop a leg on Macho Man? Dropped a leg on Macho Man. Dropped a leg on Macho Man. I could see it in his eyes as he was walking down to the ring. You knew it. I knew it. You knew it. You were watching out. it live. I was watching it live on my couch. After years of Hulkamaniacs running wild, tears flew. But man, oh man, NWO, NWO took over. But then they took over but, way too much and became bigger than the rest of the roster. They did. I think they had a couple too many members. Yeah. That was the best time to be a, a wrestling fan. I don't think wrestling will ever be as popular in the mainstream you as it was. So? Between the NWO austin the rock i I just don't but you don't think that there could be a group of humans who join pro wrestling who have these fantastic characters that people really dig i think that that's possible i just don't know that it'll ever reach the heights that it did if you look at the ratings now the ratings are like are they bad they're very bad they're like well, they're using the same guys. The same guys that we grew up on. The Undertaker. I was scared of him when I was six <laughs> years old. I, You showed me he dropped a dude on his head the yeah, other day. and that was Goldberg. And that was Goldberg, who also <laughs> dropped someone on their head. It's ridiculous. These older 55, 60, you not... <sighs> Listen, I, I know why they're doing it, but there's got to be new stars. They're ha- they have to bring up new stars or there's no future. They're starting to. Uh, WWE now has NXT, which is like their. It used to be like their developmental program, but now it's it's pretty much morphed into its own brand. Okay. So like you would I have, have a lot of friends who worked for NXT. They all jobbed out to like, you know, somewhat big names people coming up. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Roderick Strong. Did I tell you? I, you? I think we talked about Roderick Strong, right? No. He's dude. the uh, backbreaker. Uh, oh, dude, yeah. He. I felt many of those backbreakers. Those felt fine. But when I was giving him the 10 punch in the corner and he powerbombed me, I saw stars for <laughs> d- 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 days, bro. Oh, my gosh. That's He's doing really well. Yeah, I think he's probably doing the best out of all the guys I was coming up with, you know. Uh, I was coming up with Antonio Banks, and he became MVP. Yeah. But I don't think that lasted very long. He did. Uh, he had a little stint with WWE, and then he went to New Japan for a little bit. Okay. But I don't know. I don't know that he's doing much right now. I loved entertaining with being backstage. Oh, my God. Oh, man. I've seen Beyond the Mat. Yeah. I mean, That's, uh, it's rough. It's really rough. Um, and I don't want to get into it because this is all about you and your delicious beer, sir. Uh, 
I'm right. happy to talk wrestling. Yeah. All right. So let's keep going, man. Best baby face of all time. I'm not saying best all around. I'm saying the best face. The guy who was able to come out and make the crowd go crazy every single time. Not every time, but you know, just the best of all time. I know that you haven't really been watching for the last the 10 last, years, yeah. But there's a guy. His name's Daniel Bryan. Long-haired dude. I see his action figures and stuff. Yeah. He, he was on the indies for a long time. Brian Danielson was his ring name, real name. Um, I've never seen a, a baby face run like he had a couple years ago. No way. It was incredible. I'm really bummed I missed Up this. To, uh, How is this any better than Hogan and uh, Stone Cold? And it was a great. It was just a great story. It was a great story. What was story. the story? Uh, just getting getting held down because of his size, for which was sort of legit. And then the fans basically forced the McMahons and Triple H to to start pushing him. Vince McMahon always likes the big dudes. Yep. He never wants to drop the title to a little guy. No. So WrestleMania 30, he that's where he finally won the uh the title. But the, it was like a year lead into it and it was just it was the greatest story. Man, I really kind of I bet you they have it like a DVD summary of it. Man, it's it the I love that story. It it actually hits kind of home for me because they really pushed steroids on me, man. My I don't I don't mean to call anyone out, but like my trainers, you know, but they were, it's not like calling them out. They were being realistic. Look, I'm not competing in a real sport, so it's not cheating. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it, it's damaging to your body and um, just wasn't willing to do it, man. And sometimes I question, like, would my life be drastically different if uh, I did it? I've seen pictures of wrestlers who, who are on steroids and then they've gone off of them because they wanted to uh, try to have a child oh really so like if you see the pit the before oh. picture and then the picture once they get off of them entirely it's different. just it's entirely different uh, and some people respond to steroids differently like some people just get like you look like a greek god and then all of a sudden they get off it and it's just like you look like you got a dad bod <laughs> like it's an mma too because they start getting strict with the um the, with the uh drug testing so guys who were j- 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 jacked just started their muscles would just melt off and it was just like you'd see them at the next way and it's like oh <laughs> yeah are on steroids for sure man so okay you said your best baby face and i'm fascinated by that answer i'm gonna look it up all right dude are you more of a baby face guy or heel guy or just either or i think growing up i i leaned toward the heels just because really? I, I just felt that they were cooler like i always loved mr perfect growing up i thought mr oh, were you perfect a big mr. piper perfect like in the 80s, lady, like, I loved Piper. The thing about Mr. Perfect, I mean, everyone loved Piper. The thing about Mr. Perfect was, like, he had a very tough character to have to keep up with. Being perfect? He was. He was! Like, how did that happen? He really was perfect. He never, if you go back and watch, never one time did he ever miss spitting that gum out and hitting it with his Never hand. missed. Never hey, missed. Hey, dude, it took me a lot of practice, but <laughs> I got it down. I can still do that. What he's saying, ladies and gentlemen, is on his way out into the audience. He would be chewing gum. He'd have this towel over his shoulder. He'd throw it up. He'd catch it behind his back perfect every time. And then he would spit his gum out, slap it, and it would go right into the audience. <laughs> While he had all this swagger going on, Mr. Perfect, man. Are you saying he was the best heel? I don't know that he was the best heel. I think of that of that era. 
I think Ted DiBiase was the best heel. <gasps> the Million Dollar Man. Yeah. Why do you think he was? From the moment I saw him, <laughs> he went to, to, he offered a kid money if he could dribble a basketball ten times. And as the tenth bounce was about to happen, he kicked it out into the crowd so the kid couldn't get the money. As soon as I saw that, I'm like, this guy's awesome. So it, he bought he bought the title off Andre the Giant. That's right. With Virgil. Let's not even yes. get into Virgil. He might be set up outside here hawking oh, autographs. Oh, I know. Poor <laughs> Virgil. Okay, people. This poor wrestler. By the way, he's the first Virgil was the first pro wrestler to ever slap my hand in a pro wrestling event. I it was the coolest <laughs> moment of my life up until that point. Um, Virgil, oh, poor fella. He, there's like a website dedicated to his booth where he just sits hoping that someone needs an autograph from him. Yep. <clears throat> That's sad. A lot of guys I met when I was in pro wrestling school and on the indie scene, man, some of them were very depressing. Some of them were very accepting of and happy with what they'd gone through, done. They can still do this at night and work another career. But for the, the majority of them, it's hard for people to leave the limelight, you know? Mm -hmm. I, even just myself, the guys I worked with, it's like, it's almost like they thought it was real. Like they would feel the people cheer for them and chant their name and whatever. And they would take that back with them. Not everyone. So the wrestler, the movie with Mickey Rourke. It's very hard for me to watch that. So that's pretty. Pretty, I mean, uh, everyone has their point. own story. I mean, for all I know, the, uh, those guys loved the backstage antics. I was so passionate about the art of wrestling. I'd been like you, uh, other than, but you were a fan. Like, I was a fan, and I wanted to do it. And um, I thought that my whole life, you know, you don't fit in in high school. It's like you don't fit in with the jocks or, like, this and that. But, like, you think, okay, maybe when I'm a pro wrestler, I'll find my people. Mm -hmm. And then you find out that so many of them take their image too seriously um to a point where they'll they'll be not willing to lose to you backstage right it's like it's fake it's it's a sorry sorry guys if you didn't know <laughs> 2019 <laughs> sorry people um but it's like they forget it's theater it's it's a uh, sports entertainment and it's theater and i love the art to it i love losing and losing and losing and then when you make that comeback and your fans are behind you and they just love and then you almost win the title but then they take it away and then you almost get it again but they take it away and then finally the big show happens and it's false you know one two kick out one two kick out and then out of nowhere one two three it's just like the drama of it all um it's it's something magical about it man I, I believe it just from a fan's perspective. Um, I mean, I've been to a lot of shows, and like I used to go to ECW a lot, like the heyday of ECW. I was at like every ECW arena show. Yeah, I didn't go to parties in high school. I went to wrestling. That shows. is a party. Going to an ECW uh, no, show uh, is way better than no, a party. I, I was like seventeen, drinking beers, waiting in line to get into into the uh, the bingo. Am, hall. am I right though? It was like a, I've never seen anything like it before. It's like a party in the audience. Yeah. It's it so crazy. The first time. So, all right. So I got to tell the story. So my grandfather, I think he's like the reason why I watch wrestling. He introduced Like, like I say, I don't remember ever who, like, I just always remember watching it. But I know, like, he used to take my, like, my aunts and uncles to, like, the boardwalk hall in Atlantic City back in the 70s. So he was into, like, 
Chief J. Strongbow. Uh, Pedro Morales. We're talking like, old school. Yeah, old school guys. Gorilla Monsoon. So, ah, uh, gorilla. So oh, I gotta uh, catch up to you, man. Professional. Uh, I gotta, sorry, I got. I drink. This. I drink very fast. <laughs> Dude, all right, I gotta put this down. You tell your story. I'm gonna enjoy this. So, uh, I finally decide I want to go to an ECW show, and my aunt, who just happens to be my partner at the brewery, oh. she would come with me to every ECW show. She'd take me to all the conventions. At like, we'd go all over Jersey, Delaware, New York, like everywhere. So we start going to ECW, and my grandpa's like, well, you know, that's like a little seedy area. He's like, let me come with you. Like, uh, <laughs> so I'm like, I don't, I don't think this is a good idea, like, to have Grandpa come to ECW show. So um, as soon as we got there, the, the line to get in wasn't much of a line. It was uh, everybody sort of, like, in a big crowd, and once the door opens, everybody runs towards the door so you're basically <laughs> like s- squashed i'm like oh my god this guy's like 70 ecw ecw the cool thing i think i told you before new jack actually just like came up to us as we were waiting and like talked to us for like 10 15 minutes you're lucky he liked you i'm telling you from personal experience yeah, he liked me um, i didn't want him to stick a fork in my head he would i've seen it D- uh, ladies and gentlemen Pro wrestling is sports entertainment, but sometimes what happens backstage, that's called what we call a shoot. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad he liked you. He liked me, too, because I was very submissive. I was just like, yes, sir, whatever you say, sir. He was cool. Yeah, um, yeah so my grandpa, for him, it was a bit of an experience, a little culture shock, I think. Yeah. So, like, we got it. I think, like... I think there was like 10 F-bombs within the first like five minutes of the show. Maybe, yeah. a, maybe a breast. This, so he's like, what am I doing here? <laughs> this was not Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant, ladies and gentlemen. This was ECW. So needless to say, Grandpa didn't make it to uh, a lot of shows after that. <laughs> <laughs> but he took you to the one that changed it for you, man. ECW. That was the first time I told you... Um, being such a hardcore pro wrestling fan, wanting to be a wrestler so bad, it was the first time that I actually got to sit down. I talked with Nova, and being able to talk to a pro wrestler who actually wanted to talk to me for like 15, 20 minutes meant a lot. I think about that a lot with like my campers and my students. Because, like, for whatever reason, you know, I'm the owner of the place and there's so many kids. So a lot of them look at me, I can tell. Like, they're not outgoing like the other ones. They're a little more timid. I make sure. I'm like, okay, if I go over to them, they will really appreciate that. Make that good 15, 20 minutes. And I think I got that idea from Nova. I'll never forget that feeling, you know. Is there a wrestler or is there some way that it's impacted your life besides just being a fan? Like, there's so many storylines, so many heroic uh, and and there's not just heroic. It's like life lessons. There's a lot of life lessons in there. I feel culture. You can learn from it. Has it changed you in any way? Made you who you are today? Pro wrestling in general. Yeah, absolutely. How so? Um, I don't know. I, I honestly I don't know how to describe it. It's just it's been a part of me for so long that like like I feel you like don't I, know any different. I feel no. I don't know any different. I've met a lot of friends through pro wrestling and um hey technically you and i man hey you're the only dude i've ever introduced myself by doing a forearm to the back that's right (laughs) snuck up on me i sure (laughs) did that was on impulse (laughs) 
Were you okay with that, or were you just like, this dude don't even know me? No, that's cool. That I thought cool. you were going to, like, German suplex me. Oh, 36, man. I'm not bending. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not bending that way, dude. <laughs> Ten years ago, I would have Germaned you. <laughs> Which, I got to say, the German looks like a very hard move to execute. It's very difficult. Some people... Um, the thing with it is that you have to really trust yourself because it's almost like doing a back bend. Because on a back bend, you're catching yourself with your hands and your head is going straight down into the canvas or whatever you're right. over. Same thing with the German. You have to do it in a way to make sure your opponent hits harder and first than you. And they're landing in an awkward way too on their shoulders. They're bending like an accordion. Mm -hmm. I've always had a lot of respect for the German. I've tried doing it, but I don't think I've done it justice. I, there's definitely other moves that I did justice better than that. But it's a cool move. What's your favorite pro wrestling move? I don't think anybody's ever asked me that question. Before. Okay, okay, hold on. Let me, let me, all right, let's think about this. You could talk about the most spectacular one. You could talk about the most greatest finishing move. I mean, I think that was one of my questions. I shouldn't have asked that. <laughs> Maybe it's not. All right, yeah, what's the best finishing move of all time? The best finishing move of all time, just based off of popularity and I think, I think I over, overall effectiveness, I think I have to go with the Stone Cold Stunner. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's the best one. And thinking from a pro wrestler standpoint, he can do it to everybody. Big right. guys, Doesn't little to, guys. Don't have to lift them up. You don't have to pick them up. You know, you just do it. They react and people go crazy. Best finishing move of all time. You don't have to worry about them tapping out. Do they give up? Do they not? Sharpshooter, figure four. Um, you don't put your own body on the line. You know, you're not jumping off the top rope. Nope. And it's fast. And I always loved how people would sell it. You like the different ways like, people would sell it? The, you, the Rock would sell it great. Oh, he would dude. jump like 20 feet back. He, ah, he got that spring <laughs> action. I forgot about that one. Some guys would just like... <laughs> Sometimes they'd bring in people and like you knew they weren't athletes and they would just kind of like roll over. <laughs> Wait, did you ever see Linda McMahon take the stunner? I've seen her take a few moves and it's all cringeworthy. It was so bad. Was it? I saw. I think I saw that and I saw her get tombstone where Kane had her like three feet off the ground so everyone knew it was total BS. <laughs> I got to take a quick break. In the meantime, you can play Street Fighter. That sounds great. All right, dude. We'll be right back. Okay. Brother, before we get right back into this podcast, I just got to say thank you for this delicious beer. Oh, you got it. Anytime. You're obviously a master. Now, I want my podcast listeners to taste this from the master. Uh, can we entice them some way to come? I think we can do that. I think we can do that. What can we do? I think that we can offer a dollar off of uh, a pour when you come in and mention the Pillars of Hamilton podcast. What? Oh, is he not a generous brewer, my friends? So you'd say they mentioned the Pillars of Hamilton and they get a dollar off? One dollar. That is insane. That's tip money right there. Yes, Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first. See you at vinyl. We got to talk the shirt, man. Let's talk about the shirt. Not only did he bring me glasses, bro, this is like <clears throat> going to make me emotional. What did you bring? So this is... Um, so Brooke used to own Behind the Moon here in town, which is a children's shop. <clears throat> so we, we used to sell these shirts. They're Hamilton-made shirts. Excuse me. <coughs> so um, this one was for Jonah. He's outgrown it. So we wanted to pass it along to you for your... She's going to look beautiful in this. Baby gifts on the pillars of Hamilton. Thank you, man. This you is really got cool. it. And thank you to you, Brooke Sacco. She said she loves getting shout-outs. I've been giving her one, like, every other episode. 
Shout out to you, Brooke. We gotta talk punk rock. First of all, does your family do you blast it with your family? Yeah, yeah, my kids are into it. Really? Yeah. Well, okay. What bands? Uh, so I, I do a lot of old school stuff like um, Bad Religion. Ah, dude, they came out with a new album recently. They did. Yeah. I think they're playing in Philly. Yeah, they in September. are. I always say that, like, I'm always like on Facebook. I'm interested in going, or like, I might go. It's, I'm never going. I got it's so kids. hard to find time to actually go. I went to a show two weeks ago, and I was like, Brooke was like, just, just go. That's awesome. Get out. Just relax. Go. I'm like, man. I remember how was it? Oh, I loved it. It was at Neshaminy Creek Brewery in uh, Croydon. Who, who was it? Um, band's called the Lawrence Arms. Okay. So they've been around for, I don't know, 15, 16 years-ish. Have you um, been always into punk, or what got you into it? Um, so I think I was like 14. I've, we used to work on my grandfather's farm in the summer. We had no choice. You, you work on the farm. That's what we did. It's good. So I thought you were at Camp Tuscaloosa. That, like... I was at Camp Tuscaloosa until I aged out of Camp Tuscaloosa. Oh, then I then, aged, then I aged into tough having to work on the farms. I'm like, man, I used, used to have fun. Oh, now here man. I am, like, dude. Well, you can come visit. <laughs> I want to play some fogball. Come bring it. <laughs> so I remember. You we might were, get humbled by my 14 year old campers, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, I digress. Go on. So we would we would go to my uh, my grandma and grandpa's for lunch every day. So we would we get an hour break, so we would eat real quick, and we'd watch TV. We'd always watch MTV. Yeah. Be- Beavis and Butthead, whatever was of on. Of course, sir. So we'd watch. Um, back then, you know, they still played music videos. On yes, them. they did. So um, this band comes on, Rancid. Mm. And it was their song, Salvation. Oh, from, man. From so Let's Go. Good. I so love that I, album. I watched this video, and I'm like, what was that? I'm like, I need more stuff like that so at the time i was listening to like grungy kind of mm, stuff pearl jam so this was like i guess i was in like eighth grade at this point and um so from there i found i just kept digging and i would i would get like um like magazines any names i could find i would go yeah because it's hard to find on the mainstream no you, you couldn't do it like back then you know there's no internet you know what i would do I would just buy those Punkarama CDs. Exactly. So you get to find out who's out there. Yep. Yeah. That was the best way because, like, you might have known, like, uh, two or three bands on there, but then you found like, yes! four or five other bands that you like. Yes! So I'd be like, oh, no effects and Dropkick Murphys. All right, I'll get this one. And, oh, dude, this guy's good. And, all right, this is good. And, like, I mean, uh, they sold those comps for, like, two or three dollars back then. Brooks calling me. I know. I maybe should take it now that you're live on the air and you admitted that. <laughs> or I'll Sorry. edit it out. <laughs> Sorry, Brooke. Um, you tell me if you want to edit that out. <laughs> nah, it's all right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, back then those comps were only like two or three bucks. So you'd get like a whole album's worth of songs for like two or three dollars. So you'd like between like getting um, getting like the zines from well, magazines. They were called zines back then. That's cool, um, I guess. So I'd go to a lot of shows in Philly. I never heard that, so, zines. Uh, used to tend to look at the, like, whatever, when you bought a band's record, you look at their who they thank. 
So you look at their thank yous, oh. and you're like, oh, that band sounds cool. I got to go find out about that band. So mm. from there, it just sort of blossomed. That's cool and, about um, punk rock. It's kind of cool how punk rock fans find out about their bands, at yeah. least back then. You know, it was harder then. You know, today, I YouTube. think today's kids don't understand the struggle to find the new music. was real. Because they have Apple Music. Whatever they want, they can just look for. Like, you had to do... When I ordered music, I had to... I would send cash to California. Yes. And I would oh, wait... those little mail plans? Yes. Yeah, I would... Yeah. I, would I, I, I mean, I would wait... I would send, like, Epitaph Records, and I would wait for, like... Eight weeks. The way you go in the mailbox. Yeah. And then the and then the day it comes, you're like, oh yes. And then half of it is not what you ordered. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you kids are spoiled. Just yesterday, I got Apple Music or whatever. I'm just like, I want that album, that that. I got like six albums in like 30 seconds. Boom. Yep. Yeah. So I, pr- I appreciate it though, man. Hey, uh, speaking speaking of appreciating, we can just keep going with the stuff that he brought. Love the sour. Guys, go get this. Never mind. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'm, Come get maybe this. Is this still around? This is yeah. Actually, we just tapped this this week. The sour will be back eventually. All right, make them wait. But this, uh, so this is a new IPA. I can nerd out a little bit with this one because, um, well, it's called Moper. Um. Oh, did there you we hear go. that? You hear that beautiful sound? So this is an IPA. Um, it's a new, sort of a new yeast strain that we use, uh, <clears throat> picking up a little popularity here in, um, in the country. It's a Nordic strain of yeast. So, um, this one's going to throw a lot of orange flavor off. So I tried to pair the hop selection that I used in this beer with that, um, the orange flavor that we're going to get out of this Nordic yeast. Okay. And the cool thing about this is that you can, typically you have to ferment IPAs at like, 68 degrees give or take this yeast you can firm at like 9500 degrees and it's and it's done in like two days so you can turn beer really fast huh so if you need to free up some tank space yeah it's a great yeast. do people like it so far people seem to like it all right let's see what you think all right i will be honest can be brutally honest very hazy as you can see look at that that is a hazy orange. Can I say a hazy orange? Yep. I'll say it then. A hazy orange, people. A little foamy foam to go. Oh, but look at this glass. I can just watch this glass. And by the way, shout out to Elena Lumberdelli, who, dude, she had a ridiculous amount of listeners. People really love that podcast, man. She's awesome. Um, it's amazing. She did such a great job for us. Um, the vinyl logo? Yep. She made our logo. She... Um, I told her what I was looking for, and she was able to to knock it out of the park yeah. for us. I mean, I was looking at it before I knew it was hers, and I was like, man, that's a pretty sweet logo. And the name, where'd you get the name? So the name, I pretty much pulled the name from um, being into punk rock. It's basically, it's from sitting in my room as a kid. Um, because I, I would buy vinyl records back when I was in high school. I still do. And, like, it's just sitting in my room playing punk rock. And, you know, I was in bands. And what do you play? I'm a drummer. You're a drummer? Yeah. So punk rock meant so much to me that, like, I wanted to make that part of um I love it, man. A, a bar. Where was this when I was 
before kids, a bar that has pro wrestling and punk rock. Where was that before I had kids? So I. We have it now. Just stick so. around for another 21 years, you know, oh, I then we can so. all go. Yeah. Is that the, I mean, are things going well? Are you happy? I'm happy. We're actually, um, this coming year, I think we're going to be going through an expansion. I don't want to do get, mean? I don't want to get too in detailed, but, um, is it secret prob- right now? It's not secret, but, um, it's just something that we're, we're planning for. Um, we're probably going to get a lot bigger equipment. And maybe some more space. Okay. Um, what do you hope to get from that? Like more export? Like so we're, we're going to be doing uh, regular cans. So like actual like normal size mm-hmm. cans, not like this enormous one. So we'll do regular can releases and we're going to try to be more statewide all over. And I got some offers to move into Philly, the Philly market. So um, I mean, you're winning awards. People obviously like your product. Um, yeah, I, I, I hope they do. It's delicious. Thank you. Well, I haven't tried this yet. I speak too soon. Let me tell you. Cheers. What is this called again? Say it one more time. So this one's called Moper. Um, it's our IPA with, uh, our new Nordic yeast. Wow. I don't mean to sound like a beer nerd cause I'm not, but your stuff is, I feel like it's like complex uh, now i don't say words like that i don't say it tastes woody and uh very naturey and la 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 i don't do that but this is the first time i've tasted something that the first word that came to my mind was complex <laughs> it is a, a bit of a complex beer i feel like i had layers to that there's definite layers to this beer and i didn't really know what to expect because i never i never played around with this yeast strain before so I would do a terrible job of trying to explain these layers. Can you do that? It's just, uh, I mean, you're getting hit with a lot of orange. I feel like it's um, the mouthfeel is chewy, but it's not too sweet. And um, I don't, I, I think this is one of the the best IPAs that we've done to date. And this is the stuff that you were saying you can churn out in two days. This is the stuff that will ferment out in like two days. Yeah, this actually did. It fermented out in two days. I can have it from the day I brew it to the day I have it on tap in probably nine days. Wow. Which typically you're looking at like... Hey, so what is the scene like there, man? So you're, you're, you're bartending, right? I try not to as much as I can. But I've driven by and I've definitely seen you behind the bar. Sometimes I go back there to help out. Okay. If we're like busy. Why do you try not to? Um, believe it or not, I'm not that social of a person. Talking for an hour right now. What are you talking about? Every time I've talked to you, we've chatted away. Do people need to know wrestling or beer to talk to you? I feel like I gravitate towards people that have the same interests as me. Okay. It makes it a lot easier for me to... Okay. ...to talk. So what if I was just into pool and baseball? You don't think we'd be able to chill? I think it would be harder for us to strike up conversation. Okay. I think you'd be surprised. I like to talk about a wide variety of things. But just so happens, you picked two of my favorites. <laughs> like, but yo, you've heard the podcast, man. I like. Yeah. To me, like, I love talking about everything. But if I can find someone who's into the same stuff as me, like, every all these, th- yeah. he picked. Ladies and gentlemen, on the break, he was playing Street Fighter. He picked Ken. Anyone who knows me, oh man, I such like a, Ken. Yeah, Ken's the. Come on, Ken's the man. I haven't played that in like probably fifteen years, but I could 
still remember how to do Hadouken. You were throwing fireballs like a boss, but if you played me, it wouldn't. You, you wouldn't stand a chance. No, not at all. I was. They would have little Street Fighter tournaments, and then <laughs> they walk out of here crying. <laughs> Just tears, <laughs> tears, rain. No, you know what did happen, though, was finally, two of them actually throughout the whole summer, finally did beat me, and the roar from the crowd, <laughs> that was a moment for those kids that they will never forget. And I won't forget either, just because of how awesome it was for them, you know? It was That's cool. great. Yeah. Street Fighter 2 tournament, bringing it back. I love it, man. You know, I'm doing the same thing here, man, and that's why I love what you're doing. I absolutely love how authentic you are at your bar. Not just because I like punk rock and pro wrestling, but because a lot of people who do like punk rock and pro wrestling would be too nervous. Like, uh, I don't want to drive customers away with this punk rock. They might think it's too heavy or pro wrestling, you know, we might not get this kind of customer or that kind of. um, But you're just doing it. And I think whatever gender you are, what, whoever you are, age, whatever, if you see something authentic, you get an experience from it. And whether it relates with you or not, it's cool to experience other people's cultures. And you're giving them your life in a bar. Exactly. Um, from day one, we've always wanted to be like an all-encompassing experience. We're not just serving beer. Like we're, It's just d- deeper than that. You know, for us, it's deeper than that. Like, it's 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 a fantastic place for Hammonds, New Jersey. We're really lucky to have you guys. Thank you, I appreciate that. So, um, bro, normally at this point in the podcast, I break out the uh, chat pack, but I couldn't help myself. I wrote my own chat pack questions <laughs> for you because I got some serious questions I need answering. All right, are you ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. Take All right. this one here. My handwriting is really bad. Please do your best. <clears throat> Got your glasses on. Okay. Which pro wrestler had the greatest impact on your life? You know, it's Hulk Hogan. It's, okay. Hulk, it's Hulk Hogan. His the last few years of his life aside, all the oh, you mean the uh, videos that, that came all out, that, like and, uh, stu- yeah, all that bad stuff. Let's talk he strictly eighties, early eighties, eighties, nineties. Hogan. I think he was like, and everybody looked up to somebody like a sports figure. That's who I looked up to. Like, I look back as a kid and I can remember watching videos of like, um, like him and Mean Gene, like training, you know, mm-hmm. or like, just like, uh, you remember his cartoon? Uh, dude, was that his voice? I don't think that was his voice. Not his voice. Yeah, that was a bad the, voice. The opening, the opening to that cartoon, the song, and that where he's riding the motorcycle, and then you see all those kids just like. Yeah, Run almost like him. Rocky. Yeah, like that was me. Like I just, I, I, I have like pictures of being a kid, and I have like all these Hogan shirts, and I had like a Hulk Hogan birthday cake, and like he, he, I definitely looked up to him a lot. So, I, do you I, think I, his lessons, like, I'm not saying his real personal lessons, but his pro wrestling character with the never give up eat your vitamins you know do your best kind of thing did that resonate with you absolutely i think it did with a lot of kids that were our age back in the 80s yeah you know i think that on the surface of what like he was trying to sell to kids i yeah. guess um like, before instagram could have ruined yeah, like, him or <laughs> the internet you know i think it was exactly all what you saw was we, the surface yeah that's i think that's what we needed in the 80s it was just you know that was i mean it was what i needed it was so awesome Good answer. Now, I have to ask a question that is not in the chat pack. 
Yo, your wife, she like handles the 4th of July parade, right? She does. I have this idea, and I think I messaged it to you. I already do a Camp Tuscaloosa water gun thing, but I also want to do with you a Hulk Hogan 4th of July. I want to be blasting, I am a real American. Shirts rip off, championship belts, mustaches. I want the whole thing, man. Done. Done? I mean, Done. We, we, we're going to need a we crew because I don't have know a how parade, to make... A parade of Hogan's. <laughs> if there's one thing Hamilton needs, it's a parade <laughs> of the Hulkster. Okay. But Brooke has to work this out. I'll have to be like at the front with Camp Tuscaloosa, run all the way around, show back up as Hogan. <laughs> I'll just be like running, putting a handlebar mustache on, bandana on. Feather, you could, we could do like different Blow eras up. of Hogan too. Oh, you that's could, a good you point. You could have Hollywood which, Hulk Hogan. Which, which Hogan are you? This is the most important question Ooh. of the podcast. Hmm. Think hard, bro. This is a, I'm judging you on this answer. I think I'm like WrestleMania three Hogan. Mm, I agree. That's, That's what I wanted, though. We're going to have to get the other guys to do other things. I mean, I could go. I See, know. here's the thing, man. Is like, I'm the guy. I'm Lisa knows this. Like, she does the behind-the-scenes stuff, and when it comes to the action, I go. We need people to do the float. I will help as I can, but I just need to be ready, and then I go. Boom. Yeah, we're going to make this work. All right, dude. Are you ready for the next question? Let's do it. Oh, on the end. Best of luck, <clears throat> sir. If Stone Cold and the Sandman came into vinyl, what would you recommend they drink? So for those of you who don't know, Stone Cold Steve Austin, biggest pro wrestler arguably of the 90s. Uh, his big thing was smashing beers, drinking them, uh, and stunning people. Uh, Sandman was the ECW version of him, and they didn't drink good stuff. No. Well, if you look, I think Stone Cold was getting thrown a lot of natty ices back in the day. I thought it was Bud Light. It was natty ice. I think you... I th- he might have rotated every once in a while. Oh. I think the Sandman was drinking Budweiser, but the Sandman was sort of like the um, the original. I don't know how to put it. He's like he's the not in shape Stone Cold. Okay, you know. Okay, yeah, not in shape Stone Cold. So he would come to the ring smoking and pounding beers. I would recommend for Stone Cold because Stone Cold just came out with his own IPA. No way. He's got, it's called Broken Skull IPA after his Broken Skull Ranch. It's put out by El Segundo Brewing in El Segundo, California. Okay. So I would recommend to him probably what we're drinking right now. Moper. Okay. A nice IPA. Now, the both to both of them or just to Stone Cold? Just to Stone Cold. Okay. Sandman. The Sandman, I think his standards are a little lower. So I would I would give him our uh, our Belgian blonde, which is like our regular beer. Are you crapping on your Belgian blonde? I'm not crapping on the Belgian blonde. It's a good it's a good beer. Uh, you know, it's just it's a beer. Okay. Okay. See, so it's it, a very good I, seller. Drink the Belgian blonde. It's good for sure. Everyone listening, drink the Belgian blonde. Mention the pillars. Um, okay. <laughs> Dollar off. <laughs> Dollar off. All right. Are you ready for one more? Yes. Do you have time for one more? I do. All right, man. Good choice. <clears throat> if you could choose a wrestler, past or present, to be a regular at vinyl, who would you choose? That's a really good question. You have to think about this. I'm not talking about the character that you loved. I'm talking about since you're a real pro wrestling fan, you know the backstage stuff, at least what you hear online. Like, a lot of it that you hear online is very true. 
which one that you're a huge fan of, but you also would want hanging out at your bar? Because some of them that you're a huge fan of would ruin your scene at your bar. They I would. Know, like I know that Sandman. from experience. The Sandman <laughs> would destroy vinyl. <laughs> it would be awful. Not that I think you would pick Sandman anyway. Who would you pick to come in there every day and be a regular? I think I have an answer for this. All right. <clears throat> I'm going to go with Tommy Dreamer. Okay. Because That's an interesting answer. Because I I love Tommy Dreamer. He was in one of my favorite angles of all time with Raven. Well, seems like a stand-up guy. Oh, definitely seems like a stand-up guy. And I know he likes beer. Mm. So I, I could picture Tommy sitting on the other side of the bar. Daily. Just BSing with him. He had some serious injuries, man. You know about the He's stick, right? Like, oh, yeah. Well, on the... Uh, the Jerry Lawler. We probably incident. shouldn't even talk about that. That's too gnarly <laughs> for my podcast. That's, I can still hear that scream. Oh, dude, I can't even. Why did I even bring it up? Next, next. Uh, okay, good answer. Um, unless you're too busy, I got another no. question. You didn't even pick it, but let's do it. Bada bing. <clears throat> if you could go back in time and witness any match in person, what would you choose? This is a fantastic question. There was one. There was one ECW show I missed. And to oh, this day, I... Re- the one that got away. It was the one that got away. And it was Born to be Wired. I Sabu. think I saw that. That was a pay-per-view, right? Uh, this, no, this was a just an ECW arena show. Okay. Sabu and Terry Funk in a no-rope barbed wire match. Oh, was, I have seen that one. It was... Um, to this day, I think that was in like 97. Or they replayed that so many times? I, th- I believe, I don't want to get too gross, but I believe that's where Sabu had a, uh, a tendon oh, yeah. hanging out of his oh, yeah! arm. Yeah. If anyone's still listening, let me tell you something. <laughs> I wrestled at a show where Sabu was wrestling with barbed wire. There was maybe 55, 65 people in the crowd no cameras he did the exact same stuff in front of 65 people as opposed to being on national television how many chair spots did he botch when he went to go? oh he botched a lot of stuff <laughs> he botched a lot of stuff and he walked around backstage with a mini poodle it was so <laughs> weird i'm telling you man it was so crazy he was oh sabu man all right man well that's all the questions this was fun oh yeah i got a beer and just very talk good, about wrestling very good time yeah. Um, so, is there anyone out there you would like to give a shout out to? Oh, shout out to Brooke, my wife, because she's awesome. She does everything for me. She's my biggest supporter. Um, my aunt and uncle at Vinyl. My parents, who have been awesome for me, watching the kids while I'm here. And uh, my assistant, Bush. I have to give him some credit. Your assistant, who? We call him Bush. Who's that? So his name's Matt. Did I see him at your party? Your, your he super was at fun the, party? Yes, he was at the super fun party, which we're going to have again next year. You're all invited. Yes! And uh, so he's like my... Uh, I've known him for like 20 years. He's my my buddy. Yeah. He's uh, he's my, my helper. Anyone else? Or is that it? About cover it? Is that about covers it? Well, thank you for coming, man. The beer was great. The baby shirt is superb, and the glasses are fantastic. People, if you haven't been to vinyl, 
go. I'm going. And I got four kids. Dude, seriously, I feel so bad. I've, just so you know, I've definitely had your product many times. I've just never gone in to get your product. <laughs> and I always drive by with like a tear coming out of one eye, just like. Look, there's so many kids. We're very family friendly. Wait a minute. Kids come into your bar? Oh, hell yeah. Wait a minute. So that, like, that's like a joke. Like, oh, you brought a baby to a bar? I think that's like, I'm a teacher, man. People so are going to look down. I guess technically, like, legally, we're not a bar. So, like, legally, we're a brewery. What? Legally, we're a brewery, not a bar. So, like, we can't serve food or anything. <sighs> but breweries can sell beer. Only what we produce on site. But, so, breweries are a little bit more family friendly than, like, your your bar would be. So, like, you might not want to bring your kid to, I'm not going to mention any names in town. You might not want to bring your kid to a bar. Okay. But, like, coming to... There ain't too many bars for you to choose from, bro. That's true. Wink, I got (laughs) you. But you can bring your kids to our place and, you know... Wait. Okay, tell me if this is rude. What if I brought in, like, just, like, some not messy food for them to eat while I drink beers? Everybody brings in food. Bring your own food in. People get the food delivered. Why didn't you tell me this years ago? I thought it was common knowledge. I'm sorry. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Yeah, so bring your bring your kids. Just like, you know, don't let them run to the fermenters and open them stuff like that. They will they will enjoy just being around your company. You're a great yeah. man. You own a superb product in a bar that is authentic and amazing. And I feel like you're the quintessential Hamiltonian man. Like born and raised, right? I was born yeah, born and raised. I uh, I have to think. I think I'm fourth generation here. You ain't leaving. I no. I left. I know, but you came I, back. I left, and I convinced Brooke to come back. I feel good telling you this. You want to hear something? Oh, is Brooke cool with it? I mean, she seems like she's thriving. So. Yeah, yeah. She. I think she's more of a Hamiltonian than, than I. Than you am. are. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear the uh, Mayor's podcast? No, not yet, bro. Do you know what he told me? He said I am definitely a Hamiltonian. <laughs> I feel like I skipped a whole lot of people over with that one. But if the mayor said it, said it I mean, right? Can we yeah, drink to that? Absolutely. So, wait, 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 wait. Here's the thing. I respect your opinion, man. Are you okay with this? Yes. Then, my fellow Hamiltonian, we unite. Uh, and I'll try to unite for your uh, special Vinyl Mania? Vinyl Mania? Vinyl Mania 2, September 28th. Hey, if you can figure out something for me to do that's crazy, you let me know. I'm all in. <laughs> All right, awesome. brother. We can do this you. again sometime.